my motherfucking life. Yeah, yes, yeah. Thank you for my motherfucking life. Yeah, yes. But I tripped and then I fell in dirty sprite. Yeah, yeah. But I tripped and then I fell in dirty sprite. Yeah, yeah. Check this out on the cloud, guys, and I mean SoundCloud. We'll definitely leave all of the details in the description of this episode. I'm telling you, Rafe Hamilton is a very interesting individual to observe. I mean, he's fashion way, he's ideologies. Guys, I'm not even trying to sound like a fangirl right now, but truly, like, honestly, I really, really admire this person. Really, check it out, check it out. Let it not end here. Also, follow him on Twitter at Ntloso underscore Zulu. For those who don't know how to spell it, it is at N-H-L-O-S-O underscore Zulu. I trust you know how to spell Zulu, right? And of course, at Rafe underscore Hamilton on Instagram. We'll definitely leave it on the description so that you are not confused and you can definitely tune into this one and support the boy, right? Hello. And a very warm welcome back to the show. This is the NDL show. So what are you thankful for in life? You know, the truth is we get so busy with school. I know, I know, I always say it on this podcast, but we get busy, work, being stressed. We forget to be thankful, man. And it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I just want to encourage y'all to check on your friends, check on the people that smile, check on the people who are detached, Check on those who make the most jokes. You know, we really like try to assume that people are okay. We don't really know what's going on. So we just need to be aware of those who are close to us and of course ourselves because mental health is really important. And I know, I know it isn't really much of a conversation in black households or so much so in rural areas and townships, but it is very real. And we need to be the generation that does not tell people to drink water when they're not feeling okay, okay? I definitely want to feature someone um, to come on the show just to speak on mental health because I feel that we are not really knowledgeable about it. Um, sometimes, you know, we go through things and we don't really know that, hey, this this is really messing me up mentally, you know. So we disregard it and then it never ends well. So guys, really check on your friends, check on yourselves, meditate, talk to your partners, you know, people who are close to you. It is vital. Mm. 
And I do want to send a shout out to everyone who has been going through something and let you know that, hey, I know, I know, I know it's not nice. I know it sucks, but apparently it's part of the process and you will see it. You will see it eventually. So just hang on, hang on to it. Okay. Hang on to life. And if you need someone to talk to, I don't charge. I'm not a certified or qualified psychologist, but I definitely am qualified in listening. I love listening to people and I just like being there for people. So yeah, hit me up. Let me know if you're okay, because I do care about you. So coming up, listen, I have a very interesting conversation for you in the main segment around language and culture. We're still on the topic of decolonizing the mind, decoloniality. And these are things that we often overlook, but are really part of perpetuating the cycle of invalidating our own cultures and traditions, and furthermore, replacing them with those of the colonizer, right? So that is coming right up for you. But right now we have what it do. And really, I've been waiting for this moment, but I just want to confess that sometimes I zone out while I'm driving and then realize that I've zoned out after a while and then wonder how I have made it alive for that long. And I really just need someone to tell me that I'm not the one, the only one that is, that does this, you know. And I don't know if I should go see someone or something is not okay at home, but hey, sometimes I know, I know this is wild, but When I stand on the side of a road, for instance, and cars are coming, I wonder what it would feel like if or happen if my body were to just betray me and I was just to throw myself at a car coming my way. Maybe maybe I really should see someone. I think I think I should. Now, this conversation about Drake and his father. Listen, I have so many questions. I have many questions. This is what his dad had to say. Listen, I have always been with Drake. And we we really got into a deep conversation about that. Um, I said, Drake, why are you saying all of this uh, different stuff about me, man? Like, uh, uh, this is not cool. And uh, he goes, Dad, it sells records. Now, I don't know, man. I don't know. This sounds, <sighs> yeah. Because, I mean, I'm just here trying to understand why Drake would lie. Why? I mean, his bars on his song Fireworks, for instance. I really, you know, I really felt those bars, man. I felt like I had an absent father. I mean, they were so visceral. And you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that Drake didn't go all that way, then did all of that for clout? Mm. I just don't know, man. I don't know. And you know, you know about absent fathers, about how they always claim that they were always there. Like, they ain't really going to admit that they were absent once they actually decide to parent. So, yeah, I don't know. I also came across a very interesting tweet last week on the reasons behind why some people are given negative names. You know, I mean, as children, we can't, like, overlook the fact that we always wonder why certain people are given names that are rather demeaning, you know? And it was a very insightful tweet because... Names like Matlakala, Nja, Sonyana, Siboko, those are names that mean rubbish dog, meaningless things. You, you get what they mean, right? So this person on Twitter clarified, um, the handle is at Bonzo underscore Pilani on Twitter. She wrote that her aunts told her that, you know what, it's because the mothers of these children had experienced miscarriages before. So to protect the unborn, they would make sure to keep them alive by giving their unborn babies meaningless negative names so that they seem unvalued and whatever it was that was causing the miscarriages would also see no value in taking their babies. I know. It's interesting, right? I never knew. Anyway, these tweets about academics really encapsulate the way I feel and I know you as an intellect as a person who's a scholar who's a student you know how it feels guys but academically I didn't take the chicken out of the freezer and umama is on the way home academically I'm grating water and eating porridge with chopsticks I am waiting for the train at the airport and wearing stilettos at the beach wow the one the one that really just launched me was the one that said academically i killed john wick's dog right (laughs) oh my gosh anyway 
I can relate. I can relate in ways that I cannot fathom. So anyway, let's take a quick short break uh, before the main segment. Definitely stay tuned. You are now, now tuned into India. chose not to cooperate with me today like the whole lace situation but that's besides the point let's get into this video okay 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 the Resby Rad YouTube channel is what you have been waiting for. Want to know about how to plaster your lace, gill, make it look like yours? I'm telling you, beauty, the nicety of life, and just crazy story times. Definitely subscribe right there on YouTube. Check out the description on this episode. Also, you have to, have to check her out on social media as well. She is at resby.rad on Instagram. That is R-E-Z-B-I-E dot R-A-D on Insta and Rizby underscore Rad on Twitter. Check. Check. Yo, naked hippies, naked, naked, naked hippies. 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 Yo, check. One time for the one, seven, two, four. One, seven, two, four. One time for the one, seven, two, four. One, seven, two, four. Check. Hold your fire on the hippies We just wanna hold hands, quack up and get trippy Emotions in my music probably got a nigga busy I'm quite stupid with the words, yes it's really silly You feel me? Hiding from the danger, allergic to these catastrophes Happiness is the only way I kill my enemies Channeling my energy, psychopathic tendencies I wonder what's the remedy to bringing back Timothy But I think I'd rather stay naked My consciousness got me too exposed and overrated No longer sacred overdose of concentration The flipping greatest, can't wait to get close enough and Saying nigga made it, but I'd be lying if I said that Already lost my mind, but now it's time to get my head back Where the bread dad bite you close to where your neck And we all feel the same I guess emotion is a thought that travels through your brain But then again, she gave me that look She said she read my mind all the way like a book But I'm forever focused Even when I am bogus, considered a flying lotus Me and my team are killing you, we expect you to notice I'm on my fourth degree and the name is OGT Z Check Naked hippies, naked, naked, naked hippies Naked hippies, check One time for the one, seven, two, four One, seven, two, four One time for the one, seven, two, four Yo, naked hippies in it, got no sense of clothes on Bring the guacamole that you just grow from Being conscious makes the human mind grow strong Being happy all the time, what could go wrong? Guacamole, happy thoughts in an open mind You got an unconscious girl, I'm tryna open mind There's no negative vibrations on being naked They plant the cheese naked, they keep it in the basement Never seen a naked hippie tryna be racist Told that hippie put your clothes on, he couldn't take it That's a promise to the tribe, man, he couldn't break it Had Make some scrambled eggs cause they don't eat bacon Dancing around the bonfire with some marshmallows Got in the sunflower, she despises yellow She's always so quiet cause her mama's mellow Going to see her mom, cause I wish that she passed the metros Just for your mind and dance to the music Wouldn't be a crime, it's just everybody do it We've been fighting and everybody knew it We had to see the outcome, we knew that we were losing Fire, fire, fire for the kids of the youth We've been used for human slavery, our thoughts are put on mute High conscious levels where my thoughts to dispute. Tell me, have you seen a naked hippie being cute? Hey, naked hippie, 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 naked hippie. One time for the Mexican Americans. Sing 
the song with my chest fam, I'm from the west side. Does it not feel like we were taken through boys in the hood? I'm talking men of society. I'm talking straight out of Compton and South Africa fam. Come on, come on now. Thank you so much to 1724. By the way, this is where I live guys, west side. Guys, I come from the west side of Johannesburg, born and bred. So it was with utmost pride that I delivered the song to you. Shout out to the gang that is OGTZ and Walter Waters. Now, when I say gang, please don't think that we are your gang banging in Ruerport. Come on, please now. They also have new music up on the cloud. Check them out for raw rap lines and bars. That is 1724. We're definitely going to hear more of them on the show. I am so excited and really, really proud of the homies. Now, let's get straight into this conversation about language and cultural domination. This is a proponent of the decolonial series. Now, I know it may be discouraging to continue listening when you hear the word decolonial, but trust me, this is not a sociology lesson. This is something that is very close to home, considering that it really does affect us. So I don't know. I'm not sure about the pronunciation of this theorist, but Ngugi wa Thiongo <laughs> stipulates misleading interpretations of the African realities has been popularized by Western media, which really likes to deflect people from seeing that imperialism is still the root of many problems in Africa. You know, we'll like we do this thing of blaming, for instance, our leaders. Yeah, you know, constitution. But the truth is, imperialism is something that still continues to reside within post-colonial era. I don't know. I don't know if it's really post-colonial. But he states that the biggest weapon that was unleashed by imperialism is the cultural bomb. And the purpose of the cultural bomb is to annihilate a person's belief in their names, their language, their environment, their heritage of struggle their unity and their capacities and ultimately themselves and makes them want to identify with that which is furthest removed from themselves for instance with other people's languages rather than their own and this is a very interesting yet imperative conversation to have because even though i personally am not english i genuinely prefer speaking this language for instance i mean yes it is recognized as a global language by everyone except the chinese but the truth is and unfortunately so if you don't know how to really articulate or speak english you already have the stigma attached to you. Now I know we speak about decolonial um, decoloniality, but the thing is when we think about this topic, just the word in itself suggests something that is far away from us. And really what I want to do is show you that it is not something that we cannot bring back home, right? So Wathiongo poses the question, what is African literature? Think about it. Is it literature about Africa or about the African experience? Is it written by Africans? What about a non-African who wrote about Africa or African experiences? Did his work qualify as African literature? What if an African wrote his work outside of Africa? What about French and English, which had become African languages, right? What if a European wrote about Europe in an African language? Now, these are very potent questions because he continues to say that the domination of our languages and cultures by those of imperialist Europe encourages us to question whether what we wrote actually qualified as African literature, right? These are all very necessary questions because even in school, if you failed English, you'd fail, right? It doesn't matter, it didn't matter how well you did in your second additional languages or even other subjects, but it really, it really be like that. Even today, I don't think it has changed. Now, to bring this close to home, I asked a number of people whether they would date someone who could not articulate or speak well, well in inverted commas, by the way, um, in English, to expose the extent to which the relationship of language with human experience and human culture influences the perceptions that we have of reality. Here is what a few people had to say in response to whether they would date someone who was not as articulate in English. Yeah, I would date someone um, who can't speak proper English in inverted commas. Um, I, simply because for me, I just feel like 
if I'm gonna date someone, it's more about um, the 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 weight of the discussion. So like, what are we talking about? Like, I don't think it would be a problem of how are we talking or how do we sound when we when we're communicating, as long as we're communicating on a certain level. And so I feel like that'll be really chilled. Um, also, like, I was just thinking now, like, my own mother and, like, from my home, a lot of people don't speak what you'd call proper English. Um, yeah, it would depend, really. Like, if I really like the person and the person really has a good personality and feels, like, ticks all my boxes, then, like, I truly believe that love con- conquers all. And yeah, I think I would. I think I would. Yeah, I think I would. But if it's like not something serious and maybe I just want to smash or whatever, I like tolerate it. But then if I'm serious about the person, then I can't let something like that like stop me. That's like so dumb. Because the problem with people is that they like to um, associate intelligence with your accent or the way that you articulate words, and which is really dumb. It's really unfounded, so yeah, I think I would. If we cannot communicate in English, because you can't communicate in English, then we can communicate in another language. Since this is proper English, I'm talking about communication. However, if we're in a social situation, it becomes a sudden strain because, you know, it's about awkward. And he can't speak English. Now, people always judge IQ long or so. I don't know. I really don't know. Does not knowing English does not knowing English mean you're not smart? Yes, because there are people out here who are engineers who are what what, but they cannot articulate English that. Honestly. No, hey, like I speak English 24 hours, 365 days a year. So there is no way that, well, Afrikaans isn't bad, you know, like ek kan, ek vil soon. That's not bad, you know, <laughs> but no, Afrikaans isn't, it isn't too bad. It's just that I would love to have someone that is as fluent. I wouldn't mind dating somebody who cannot speak English. Two reasons. Firstly, I'm dyslexic, so I cannot hold it against somebody's child that they cannot speak English properly or struggle to articulate themselves because I do have those issues, so I would be a hypocrite. Secondly, Gimodzwan, proudly so. And I feel like English is a really big constraint when it comes to us growing as a nation in terms of our language, our culture, and yeah. So I personally wouldn't mind because it allows growth and also freedom because guys, yeah, this language we call English is beautiful, but it is also very restricting. I wouldn't mind dating a girl that can't speak proper English as long as the language that we communicate, I communicate with her with is like, something that i understand you that's a huge factor that's that's really a, a huge factor you know not that um i'm on to turn the english like that but this is one of those things where it's it's a turn off to be with someone who actually can't speak properly at times it's it gets annoying you know you don't want it to be annoying but it gets annoying so, and you know me, I speak Vanak. So, when I speak Vanak, I speak Vanak. So, being at somebody. And the worst thing is that <laughs> with girls that actually can't speak English properly, by a tanda and try and speak English all the time. So, honestly, I doubt it. Honestly, I, I really doubt it, you know, um, there's more to this. I could actually say so much more, you know, that, hey, you can actually like a person and everything about it is great, you know, and English can never really be a thing. But, like, 
you just have to be able to speak properly guys like hi gabi you know i probably would date someone if they didn't speak quote proper english unquote but i am a little bit fussy in that if i know that that person has the ability to speak proper english and by proper i don't mean um no use of slang or high level english but if they just they speak english like it doesn't even have to be a high level of english but they do speak the language um then yeah i do get annoyed but i don't think i wouldn't date someone who speaks proper english however my um breaking point is when guys type in shorthand over whatsapp that i absolutely can't stand if it's genuine and the feelings are real then i think why not date him i mean that's tandana last tandana english you know what i'm saying i actually would i would date someone who can't speak proper english cuz anyti when you're with someone it's not because of what they can do what they can't do you can't judge a person just cuz they can't speak proper english maybe they can take care of you damn properly than an than another girl who can speak english through her nose <laughs> but i would and in that process of us being together i would literally break it down to her with okay baby let's do this let's just go through a process and just teach you how to talk proper english your vocab how you pronounce words so we do more reading together and if they say something wrong in front of me i'd be like no say it like this sounds a bit better and it's the correct way of saying it so i would date someone who can't speak proper english and at least help them to speak their proper english that's also if they are willing but at the end i would still help buty baby hey yeah hey gentlemen heaven i've actually vibed with two people whose english is a bit left and it is a bit like kind of worrisome only because of like pressures from friends or well, not pressures like opinions from friends and family members because i know how honest and opinionated they are so i know it's something that that would come up and it's something that bothers me that would bother me so how do i defend something that bothers me too but at the end of the day we're all not perfect you know you're never going to find someone who's 100% all that you want and it's totally fine but i think too much of what other people are going to say so i would not do it um it's the the people that i vibed with it didn't like go any further there was no you know proper proper date so Well firstly I'd love to pass my greetings to all the listeners of the NDL show both nationally and internationally. In terms of addressing the question would I date someone who cannot speak proper English? Why and why not? Um personally I wouldn't mind dating someone who cannot speak proper English because I literally find broken English very funny. You know, if anything, that's going to be an advantage for me because it me it would mean that all the time when I'm with them, I would laugh. And I mean, I love laughing. You know, laughter is one of the best remedies, you know, to facing um literally the problems and difficulties that life throws at you at points. However, uh the situation gets tricky when now we need to be with our friends our colleagues our families you know maybe at a dinner party at a bri you know and now they cannot talk because english is not there the way it should be or the way people expect it to be there you know and um now they are in a in an awkward position or situation and you know literally everything is uncomfortable now you know so 
ultimately what I'm trying to get at is there are way bigger, you know, things to focus on than someone's, you know, English proficiency. Oh, sure. Um, to be honest, no, I, I can't. I really can't. No offense to people who can't speak like, you know, um, private school English or anything like that. I just feel like for me, the type of person that I am, I just know it wouldn't be a good time for him. Because, yeah, I'm just going to be mocking him the whole time. And it's not even going to be intentional. My brain is just going to be, like, pointing out all his errors. And I'm going to start laughing. And then he's going to start feeling bad. And then it's just not going to be a fun time for him. I think it's just, nah, let's just not do it. I'm tempted to say that if I love him, then it doesn't matter how he speaks. But honestly speaking, I know myself and I sometimes cringe at people that cannot speak English or that cannot use the English language properly. And I totally understand that, you know what, English is not our mother tongue or it it may not be his mother tongue. But it's also a thing of, I grew up going to such good English schools. So, and you know, I've been speaking English most of my life. So I expect the person that I'm going to be with to be on the same level as me. Now I know. I know those are many voices, but I just wanted to make sure that you don't think that I'm speculating. And I must say, I'm really humbled that I associate with the kind of people who are able to justify their opinions. It's really nice that everything that I've heard made sense. I don't know if it made sense to you, but it made sense to me. And I'm relieved that for those who said they would not date people who are who um who aren't as articulate in English didn't make it a matter of them not being intelligent because there is that that stigma, that thought that goes with people who cannot articulate themselves as well. But rather it was a matter of personal preference and it is okay to prefer what you want and to want what you prefer, right? Many things came up though. Many things came up in the voice notes that were sent. Societal pressure was one of them because sometimes that really may play a role. You know, for myself, I just think this question is very tricky because yes, I would like to believe that I'm not shallow, that I would date someone who isn't as articulate in English. What is important for me though, is that we're able to communicate. If that's there, then I, man, let's do this thing, you know? Also, I can't speak vernacular languages properly. And I know, I know it's not okay. It wasn't my choice. So to someone who can actually speak vernac fluently, I probably appear dumb when I try to respond in vernac. So it just goes to show that language really should not be a measure of IQ. Now, Wathiango says that the real aim of colonialism was to control the people's wealth how they produced it, how it was distributed. In other words, to control the entire realm of the language of real life, in essence. Do you get me? I'm sure you can agree. I mentioned the thing about failing English in school, right? Now it is clear through these mixed responses that language and the degree to which one articulates is indeed important. And it is imperative to note that, as he says, Colonialism involved the intense destruction or deliberate undervaluing of a people's culture. And of course, language and culture, you know, it all works together. I mean, if you're Zulu and you're part of the Zulu nation, then, you know, language and culture really plays, um, works hand in hand, you know, and complements each other. So I say this because we may choose to admit it or not, but at some point there are still people who use English to measure a person's ability to think. You get me? The moment someone who can't articulate themselves as well in English, he or she is ignored or considered to be a joke. And that is something that is embedded within our minds. I have to admit, personally, that I was shocked that there were some people in one of my lectures who weren't able to articulate themselves as well, you know, when I was in my first year. But we don't come from the same backgrounds and I remember one lady literally coming to me and asking me for help because she realized that the only reason she, was pass she wasn't passing her essays was because she could not articulate or phrase her words correctly in English, you see? And that is very problematic. To fail because my grammar is not right, it's not fair, but that's the truth. That's the truth of life. And this is how they get us. 
we end up wanting to sound so much like them because at some point we have to, right? And then we actually end up forgetting how we sounded before they came. I mean, take me, for example. Or those of you who were once called coconuts. I don't know how to speak Sibeti, which is my actual home language. Sibeti is my actual home language, and I don't know how to speak it. And I do realize that my children and their children won't learn it through me, which sucks because eventually my great-great-grandchildren will write that English is their home language. And it disturbs me. It, that really disturbs me. Do you understand the degree of displacement? Exactly. Yeah, hey, but also it's like, if I can't speak well in English, will I have a chance to make it on a national or global scale? Despite that, I do think that it is important to remember, not remember, to remember ourselves to our own languages and cultures. Now back to the question as to whether African literature was written by Africans who were in Africa or Europeans who came to Africa, or whether the work written by Africans was even considered to be African literature on an international level is rather puzzling. I know I've said this and I will reiterate it. It is a question that we really need to ask ourselves to unlearn the ways of thinking. They wanted us to think like this, like English is the way. Also, as it stands, we know that a work of art is bound to gain way more traction if it is published in English and in a place like Europe. We barely hear of African theorists. I mean, we can't even download PDF files of African theories written by Africans. And it's like already we're at a disadvantage because of this one thing of having to speak in a certain way in a certain place to get your work distributed, you know? It's really in the little discourses such as Google. I mean, y'all remember when we found out that Google was complacent in betraying us? Y'all remember that day? I remember that day. I remember that day, you know? When we found out that Google created those neat hair and untidy hair or pretty hair and ugly woman pages, you know, when you search on Google. I don't know if it's still up. It's probably still the same. I doubt anything has changed. Guys, if you weren't aware, I am telling you, go on Google right now. I am not speculating. When you search for, for instance, professional neat hair, they would have a white woman with straightened hair only. Forget the straightened hair, just a white woman. And when you searched for untidy hair or unprofessional hairstyle, they pulled up a whole photo booth of black women and their afros and their braids and their twists and their conros. It was just disgusting. If it's still that way, it's still disgusting. But it became a question, really, of why do we feel the need to relax our hair? Why do I feel the need to relax my hair? I know, I do it, and once I had someone attack me for it. But listen, I've always had my hair relaxed since since I was born, you know. Not that I'm saying that my mom got me out of the womb and then, you know, she took me to the salon that day. Nah, but my hair has always been relaxed. So it would be weird for me to decide to just go natural, especially when I'm not prepared for it. So yes, I relax my hair, not because I want to be white with flat hair, but because I've always done it. And that doesn't make me a traitor. I hope. I hope. I apologize to the natural hair gang. Guys, I love your hair. Trust me, all my friends who have natural hair know this. They know this. I admire it. I just can't have it for myself. It's too late now. So another conversation amongst many to bring it back home is this conversation around white weddings. Now, I don't know about you, but I always had this perception, right, that a wedding wasn't official until there was a white wedding. Like, you could have signed your papers and everything, but so long as there wasn't a white wedding, it wasn't a wedding. And the wedding day is in marriage, by the way. Nah. But obviously, way back, that wasn't my train of thought. So, I pose the question. Are white weddings imperative? Think about it. I mean, as black people, they are a thing that we continue to do. And I know that we have our own traditional weddings, but having the white wedding has somewhat become an unsaid idea that now your wedding is solidified, your marriage is solidified and official, right? Here's what a few people had to say about that. Yes, but so is a traditional wedding. 
every time I think about my wedding, I just think I have to have the white wedding. And then I have to have the second event where I have the traditional wedding, you know. So I don't know. It's not because of like, I guess it's because of the way I was like just growing up. Those are the kind of weddings I used to attend and I just would find them so beautiful, you know. So I just have to have the white wedding day. Not for any specific reason other than the fact that I just love how pretty it is. <laughs> you know, um, it's not like, because I've been to a lot of weddings where they didn't have a white wedding and it was still so beautiful. It's just the me thing. I just, I love the whole I don't know the whole outlay of it, I guess, like the white dress, the bridesmaid dresses, the groom wearing the tugs. I just, I love, like, I love it, you know. It's like a really, really upgraded version of MD. So it's not even because, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe subconsciously it's because of like just the way the Western culture has overtaken, you know, everything. <laughs> But for me, it's literally just how pretty everything gets to be. The same with the traditional, the traditional attire, the traditional wedding. Like, I love how pretty everything is. I love how beautiful the like patterns and the dresses and everything else is. You know. So for me, I feel like both of them are impressive. But yes, since you asked about the white wedding, yes, it is. I don't think, I don't think a white wedding validates everything because. I mean, if you guys just want to get married and let's just go to courts, let's just have a small ceremony, like, you know, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, it's a waste of money, first of all, as much as it's, hey, hey, it's a, like, you know, those, hey, hey, it's a big thing. It's my wedding. Tomorrow when you divorce, you don't have food anymore. And then what? You know, I can't man. No, I don't think it's necessary. Well, you see, for me, I've never really been someone that has wanted to get married. I don't believe in the marriage laws. So that's just not been me. Although I'm I'm a monogamous person. Um, but for me specifically, I wouldn't have a wedding, a white wedding specifically, nor would I have a cultural one. I think I'd rather just want to have a celebration that is similar to a white wedding, but not like it because you know the white wedding has the whole churchy thing and all that and i as you know i'm not christian so yeah i personally wouldn't i'd rather just have a celebration if anything of my love with my partner i think that's the most important that's the integral part of this whole thing you know it's the fact that you know we want to be together forever yeah some people think i think the way i do in terms of it not being necessary because i already had one and i mean i wanted one like i said you know and having you i wanted one so it still doesn't mean that it was necessary it just means that i wanted one and he wanted to make my dream or my wish come true um but yeah so i like yeah i honestly don't think it's necessary also when i think of all the the costs involved in an actual white wedding um i mean i think we spent how much we probably spent about 250 actually a little bit over 250,000 on our wedding on our white wedding specifically um and that's a lot of money. A lot of people were like, yo, you could have been saving and whatnot. But point is, I'm not about saving. I'm about getting what I want. You know what I mean? And so I wanted that white wedding. And that's what I was going to get. So that was my sister. Um, people say we sound alike when we speak. Like, she says, but yeah. And I also say, but yeah. Which is weird. I mean. <laughs> but I do stand with her. I stand with her. I definitely want a white wedding because I want it. Gaiwanta. It is something that has been normalized in my family and it's always been shown on cartoons and everything as a dream, as the ultimate dream. I know it's not and I understand that it's not, but it's something that I do want, you know, because as my friend said, it's just pretty full. It's beautiful, you know. So they did succeed in indoctrinating me into wanting it for myself. But listen, we need to understand that white weddings are white people's traditional wedding. Do you understand me? 
And just in passing, just to say in passing, the normal attire that we wear, the work day, the Monday to Friday attire is their traditional attire as well. Do you get me? So when it's time for Heritage Day, you know, we'd be wondering, but the truth of the matter is that we're actually appropriating their culture. Not that we had a choice, not that we have a choice, you know. So despite that, though, there is this underlying and prominent idea that something becomes legitimized when it has that white element added to it. I know. For breakfast, I prefer an English breakfast over Mabele, darling. Do you see? Do you see already? I know I don't like Mabele. You know, I don't genuinely. I don't like the taste. But why am I not preferring a Betty breakfast? Izulu breakfast, you know? Why? <laughs> so I hope that you see and recognize that decoloniality is something that is so embedded within our subconscious. You should really ask yourself why you do certain things and why you do them the way you do them, you know? Like our attitude towards a black receptionist in relation to a white receptionist. Our whole body language changes and they did this. Colonialism did that. I did not notice that I do this, but when speaking to a black receptionist, for instance, I would always navigate eventually to referring to her as Ma or him as Ba. You know, but when it comes to a white receptionist, it was always a thing of sir, ma'am, sir, ma'am. And it becomes weird because even when trying to call a black receptionist, sir or ma'am, it's hard. Like it's an internal conflict that I experience. It's something that is not natural. And I don't know why. For me, it links to this idea of the white household with a black domestic worker, which is rather very derogatory. I understand. So... Please do observe the way that you move as a non-white person, especially in South Africa. Dove your interactions, because obviously we cannot change unless we know exactly what we are changing. Before I leave, I want to ask why is it that black people can't be happy for other black people who are progressing? You know, speaking about decoloniality, yes, it was part of their plan, but why can't we unlearn this whole thing that is embedded in our minds? I mean, even MT said it. You know, I don't know the lyrics. Do you get me? You know that song when he sang it, we all felt it. As black people, we felt it because it's not a thing of it just sounded nice. It's an actual thing that we experience as black people at the hand of other black people. Have you ever seen, for instance, in Soweto, if your household happens to be the first one in the street, on the block, to be extended or renovated, the hate, the jealousy. Now all of a sudden you're having frogs in your yard at night because your neighbors are trying to bewitch you. No, guys. I'm sure y'all saw the video um, last week of the witch who was found naked. And I don't know why they're always naked, genuinely. This is a question that I've always had. Why are you naked when they find you? Why do you have to be naked? But okay, that's besides the point. Um, but this witch was saying that she was trying to bewitch someone because they were smart. How, how do we progress? How do we progress as a nation if we don't put each other on also? If we don't encourage and help and be happy for other people for progressing? No, man, guys, I feel like there are enough seats at the table for success. You helping someone by putting them on does not take food off your plate. So yeah, that's it for the series on decoloniality for today. On to lighter news, guys. There is this thing, and I don't know whether I should say it, but the relationship world is shifting drastically, and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it, but I think, low-key, I like it. There is an app or a website, don't say I told you, don't say I told you, don't do that. It's called Seeking Arrangements. Now, if you have not heard about it let me tell you homeboy what the babies are out here doing in the streets so seeking arrangements is this online dating site in which people disclose with their chest baba what they want yeah literally have men writing i'm married but looking see 
imagine as a wife you go onto the site or your girl comes and tells you yo i actually found your man on the site yo guys trash things are happening out there the dating world is really transforming apart from the married but looking group people are saying what they actually want and i am really loving it on some not looking for something serious i just want to be spoiled or i just want that wallet you know e wallet or i just want someone who will go on adventures with me no strings attached i want someone i can go shopping with i want to i want someone who will feed me jollof rice and send me to dubai with my girls it really just sounds like a dream so when my friend told me about this app she really got me thinking man you know eventually it felt like i was gravitating towards that direction but anyway i wanted to get that off my chest and leave it here so that you see that this thing of love being enough is clearly something that isn't true also on that note elaine guys Elaine from Pretoria is such a done hun. She is a done hun. She released an impeccable work of art. She is an internationally sounding musician. I really suggest that you check her EP out. It is titled Elements. So yeah guys, thank you so much for kicking it with me today. Shout out to all the features on this episode. Rafe Hamilton 1724, Rizby Rad. Be sure to check them out. As I said, I will leave everything you need to know in the description of this episode and I promise you won't regret it. Until then, remember that things that are meant for you will come to you. You do not have to run after things. And that's that on that. I am Nondu. This is the NDL show. Be safe.